0: Guys, it's Grace, your host of the "Because Why Not" podcast, and today I want to talk about extreme diet culture and really just living a life where you feel like you're on a roller coaster of trying to find what works for you, which is the life that I've lived. Um, And (laughs) talking about this is really like ripping off a band aid for me, like really painful and scary and it hurts Um, but it feels so good once it's off. This is a topic that has just plagued me dieting um, for my whole life that I can remember and you know now that I'm much older and so much more confident and body confident I feel like I can really talk about it sort of as it relates to me, but also, you know, just put out there a lot of thoughts and questions that I still don't have answers to. And I think we're all trying to navigate, you know, kind of how to make good choices. There's so much out there. Um, and we are inundated every day with new information. Um, you know whether or not it's that coconut oil is going to save your life, and you need to slather it on your body and put it in all your food, or the next day coconut milk, or rather coconut oil is is toxic and bad for you, or you know that kale is a superfood. Kale's not a superfood, um, or that you you know shouldn't eat wheat. Um, wheat is the worst thing you can put in your body or that you should be doing keto and just eating high fat all day every day like you know it, oh it's so confusing it's so much um now there's you know so much focus on a plant-based diet and Um, certainly always we hear about eating less sugar. And I will say for me, that's sort of where I've landed is this sort of pseudo vegan, plant based, um, I say pseudo because I still eat eggs. And I don't know what that's called. (laughs) I was gonna say octogenarian, but I don't think that's it. I think that's when you're 80. Um, But, you know, Maddie and I've been eating largely vegan or plant based since November. But I never gave up eggs. And he had some arguments for me about why not eating why not eat eggs. And then I listened and read to a ton about why to eat eggs. And so my point is that there's so much information out there. So much of it is conflicting information. People who are, you know, apparently powerhouses in the wellness industry are even giving different information than the next person. So it's hard to know who to believe when everyone is seemingly well educated and well informed and knows what they're talking about. Um, So I mean, making good choices right now feels like there are 400 things to pay attention to. And how are you supposed to do them all at one time, while also trying to feed your children and give them things that are healthy while knowing that they are also growing human beings. And it's just a lot to sift through. I find it so confusing and so overwhelming. And there are days where I feel completely on top of it. And like, you know, I got this like, I am putting good things in my body. I'm a great Grocery shopper now, like I'm making good things for my kids and my family. But you know what? I still have the same issues I have always had, which is that, as I've mentioned before, and I'm an emotional eater. So even if I'm making all the great choices and have a refrigerator that looks really healthy and I don't eat fast food and, you know, I eat tons of vegetables and, you know, all that kind of stuff, like, We have a quote unquote healthy household I am still an emotional eater And I still Will hide in the pantry And eat a box of cookies if they're there In like less than five minutes You know, just to like not feel what I'm feeling Um, And that doesn't go away with any kind of diet That's about Or or lifestyle Or eating plan Um, You know, that's That's uh, psychological stuff Obviously, that's stuff that is so, so deep seated and that um, I'm really trying to work on because it's there for a reason. It's been a lifelong pattern. And while it's extremely difficult to change, I'm trying to wrap my arms around it and at least identify when I'm engaging in those behaviors and try and make a different decision or know that like there are going to be days where I have to I I have to eat cookies like I I, I have to eat cookies or chocolate it's the only thing that's going to make me feel better I love sweets I'm a total sugar addict I use it like it's a drug you know I'm I'm learning so much about sugar addiction as I've um, become sober curious and haven't been drinking because I've I've realized that a lot of my um alcohol cravings before were probably sugar cravings and emotional cravings for wanting to, um, you know, shove something into my mouth and into my body to just make me feel better in that instant. I wasn't really tasting all of the bottles of rosé I was drinking. I mean, maybe the first glass, but I just wanted to like check out and like, you know, not be feeling everything all the time. And it's the same behavior when I'm shoveling cookies into my mouth because it allows me to just not feel. I'm not tasting what I'm eating, right? So I don't know if any of you have experienced this or have felt any of this, but um it's it's a big big topic in my life, in my mind and my heart and soul. Like I live with it every day. And I know that I have for years, but, um, you know, I was able to push it aside for years because I was pregnant and gave myself permission to eat anything. And then, you know, I was nursing and dropped weight quickly. Um, and you know, then there was the excuse of like, well, I have young kids and my life is crazy and I'm just going to eat what I want. Um, but all in that time, I still had phases of giving into extreme diet culture, which is absolutely what we are living in right now. We are being inundated every day with different ideas and different suggestions for how to diet. Although people use that word far less now, it's much more about lifestyle, um, And it's more so now than ever before. But I want to share my story that I think probably a lot of you will relate to. Or, you know, if you don't, that's okay too. Like, I am so delighted for anyone who hasn't had to spend their lives thinking about what they're putting in their mouths and not feeling plagued by it. Um, But, you know, for me, it really... As a, as a very young child, I felt um, like not comfortable in my body and, quote unquote, overweight. Um, of course, looking back on those photos now, that just kills me and breaks my heart because um, I was not a heavy kid, an obese kid. I was clearly um, going through what a lot of kids go through, which is like, you're just like a little chubbier. And yeah, you're going to be a person in life who has to pay more attention to what you put in your mouth. But um, you know, you look fine. I looked fine. I was healthy. Um, But I was certainly raised in an environment where what you looked like was very important. And um, there wasn't so much focus on um, how to eat healthy foods, what to eat that's healthy, how to make balanced choices, how to make good choices, how to, um, you know, have the ice cream if you want it, but then maybe not have a treat every day, or there was just no communication about it. And I, I have to say, like, I don't disparage my parents for that. They didn't have the tools, they didn't know how to do it. Um, I mean I can remember so well my dad making us vegetables at dinner he did such a good job as a single dad making um, dinners and I remember all the lima beans and Brussels sprouts and he made such an effort to help us make healthy choices in that sense like I and that's amazing like I remember the frozen boxes of like bird's eye you know green beans or Stouffer's um, spinach souffle which In 1982 Was a healthy choice And so in that sense I know that he was trying to like give us vegetables And help us make healthy choices But that was sort of the extent of it Like don't eat sugar cereal Don't eat too much um, You don't need to finish what's on your plate You know that kind of a thing But um, it was also really important that we Looked a certain way And that meant you know Not being Fat And so there was always um, you know from both my mom and my dad comments about um our weight and that has continued to this day i mean i have um, i have uh only very recently in the last couple of years and i'm turning 43 on sunday i have only in the last couple of years been very vocal about the fact that i'm a grown woman and i don't want anyone talking to me about my body um and even though you know it comes from a place of worrying about my health Um, so they say, and, you know, diabetes, we don't want you to get diabetes or heart disease. You know, it's still talking to me about my weight and not respecting the fact that in my mind, not respecting the fact that I'm a grown woman and that, um, I know very well how to live in this body and what its issues are, what its its strengths are. I know how powerful this body is. I gave birth to a nine-pound baby. I gave birth to a 10-pound baby with zero medical intervention. I'm a powerful woman. We all are, whether or not we've had natural childbirth or any kind of childbirth. We've lived in our bodies for as long as we've lived in them and we are keenly aware of how to treat our bodies. I may be carrying around extra weight. It doesn't mean that um, I don't know how to make better decisions. I fully know that I'm addicted to sugar. I fully know that I use cookies as a coping mechanism. I know how to make those changes. I think, um, but I, I am doing the best I can. You know, I am someone who. You know, I've been in amazing therapy with the same person for almost 15 years. I have totally focused on my mental health and wellness. Um, I will talk about that another time. But, um, you know, I've delved deep into Eastern medicine as much as I can over the last, you know, I, I've done acupuncture since I was trying to get pregnant. I used it to get pregnant and just f- totally believe in acupuncture for fertility, which we can also talk about another time, but I've been doing a lot of acupuncture in the last year. I told you in my first episode about combo, the um, jungle medicine, like I am open. I'm doing all the things to help, um, find better health and wellness, but it is, it is absolutely still a journey. That being said, I don't need anyone telling me that I am quote unquote heavy, which is this term I Absolutely hate, which I think our parents' generation used more. You're you're heavy. You're too heavy. Or my godmother used to always say to me when she would call, "How's your weight? Like, what does that even mean? How's your weight?" Um, that was like one of the main questions she would ask me. You know, um, and I know it came out of love and care and concern, but really. Um, just so frustrating. So, you know, my mom was a Broadway actress and singer and dancer and absolutely gorgeous. I mean, she still is. She's 79, but she looks different than she did when she was in her 20s and 30s and 40s. But she's gorgeous and and, uh, had this sweet little figure. I mean, 5'5 and 120 pounds soaking wet, um, tiny little breasts and tiny waist and no bottom and great legs and oh my gosh. And I got my father's Jewish jeans. I love being half Jewish. I, I, I think it's amazing. I have that's that's something that like I totally love. But I did get my grandma's like boobs and butt and like I am voluptuous, you know it's just the way I am. Even at my quote unquote thinnest, um, I still had curves. I mean, I may have looked very thin, but I was still, um, you know, curvy. So I'm not a string bean. I never have been, I've never been able to eat what I want. Um, and it's funny, (laughs) I was talking to, to Courtney this week, who I've told you about my best friend in Denver. And she was saying, you know, the problem is like wanting to eat what you want to eat when you want to eat it and weigh what you want to weigh and do what you want to do and not have any consequences. Um, and like, we all want to do that and it's just not possible, um, for you and for me, you know, we were talking about it and yeah, it's true. Like, that's the dream. That's what we want. We want to eat what we want, weigh what we want and like not have it be a big deal. But the bottom line is we have to work harder at it. And especially as we um, are over 40. So, um, that's where I am right now. But as I said, my, my weight issues started at a very young age where I knew that my parents thought that I was overweight. I I knew that I felt overweight in comparison to my friends. Um, you know, I certainly remember kids only a couple boys really and a couple girls saying things to me in school and that was only in sixth and seventh grade and that is just the height of I mean now we call it tween we didn't have a name for it then but like oh my god middle school hormonal angst your body's changing you're like just awkward like puffy and No waist and like no boobs, or like maybe there are girls who have big boobs and are getting their periods. And you know, and I remember girls in sixth grade who were actually my good friends saying to me, You would look so pretty if you just lost some weight, like you have such a beautiful face. Um, and then one boy, um, Paul Gildon saying to me in seventh grade Spanish class, calling me gorda, which of course means fat. And, um, you know, and those things stick with you. Like it's awful. No one wants to be called gorda by a cute boy. Like you want cute boys to think you're cute. Um, yeah, it was awful. And I can't tell you how many times I got the, like, you was such a pretty face, you know? And I think, Heavy, overweight, fat girls Now now, women and girls call it fat Which I think is great Because they are just embracing it And I don't know if I'm that powerful yet But, you know, that is a thing that fat women talk about Is like this focus on like Your pretty face And like, oh, you could be so pretty And what got me thinking about this actually And feeling ripe for this conversation Is that last night I started watching a show on Hulu It's a Hulu original series called Shrill, starring AD Bryant from Saturday Night Live, who is the quote-unquote heavier castmate. You know, she is hilarious and fabulous, and yes, super pretty face. And this show is about this young woman, like, clearly in her 20s, navigating her life and, you know, her job and, um, her dating life and sex life and her own struggles with her body and her relationship with her mom who always wants her to lose weight. And that's very clearly a very deep, um, conversation, like deep issue with her. Um, and you know, the first scene of the first show is her being in a coffee shop And her looking at, like, a poster on a community bulletin board for someone who's, like, a health guru, this skinny, beautiful woman, like, kicking pizza to the curb in the picture. And then it turns out that woman is in the coffee shop and comes up to A.D. Bryant, to her character Annie, and says, like, oh, my God, here I'm right here. I, I will totally help you. Like you deserve more than this and points to her body. Um, you have such a beautiful face. You could be so pretty if you just lost the weight. And Aidy Bryant is just standing there, Annie. She's just standing there smiling. Clearly she's had to deal with it 400 times in her life. And she's just like, okay, great. Thanks. And just like handles it so gracefully. Um, And then the barista, like, compares her to Rosie O'Donnell and is like, oh, you're so funny. You look like Rosie O'Donnell and you sound like her too. And, like, the point is that immediately you see her out in the world with people talking to her openly and freely about her body and about her weight and the way she looks as if it's their right and they have the, you know freedom to talk to her about her body because she's fat. And that's not okay. That it's just not okay. Um, I I won't get started on that whole subject of, of, of fat being the only remaining acceptable um, form of discrimination that's left. I mean, you can't walk out in the street and say, Oh, your face is so retarded or, you know, Oh, you, whatever. I'm not going to say mean things. Like we know you can't say retarded. You, you can't, you can't say anything. You can't comment negatively on anyone's looks to any degree. You'll get fired. You'll get fired. You will get in trouble at school. You will lose friends. I mean, it is not Okay. Um, but people can still call people fat, and that seems to be okay because why, you know what I think? I think because everyone is at the core, the most afraid of being fat more than anything. Um, or, you know, a lot of people, but that's, that's our culture. That's our culture. We are bred to be afraid of being fat born and bred and raised, and it's all around us. But Aidy Bryant and this show is so brilliant because she's a brilliant actress. She's hilarious. She's gorgeous. And she is just really, like, she's very body positive in this show. Um, And she wears these adorable dresses and these healed um, green clogs that I am committed to searching and finding on the internet today. Um, And she just... She's just great. And she has this, you know, relationship that's a sexual relationship with this guy that, you know, she really enjoys. But ultimately, she's realizing that, like, she's not treated well by this guy because she's fat. He won't introduce her to his friends. He makes her leave out the back door. He won't date her. Um, And so she's really figuring out all this about her life. And, you know, while at the same time being a really confident, awesome woman, a great writer. She has great friends. People love her. Of course, she's the funny girl because so many fat girls are the funny girl. You know, I was always the funny girl. I talked about that about high school and, you know, certainly that's how I was growing up. Like I had awesome, amazing, quote unquote, popular friends, boys and girls. They all wanted me around. I was funny. I was fun. Um, but anyway, so Annie, 80 Bryant in the show shrill on Hulu, you've got to watch it. I'm only three episodes in, but I was crying at the end of the third episode and I wasn't feeling pain. It wasn't that I was feeling sad or like downtrodden or like just negative or like sad for little girl grace inside of me. Who's lived through so much of that, um, I just felt so happy about this show and like her completely owning it and that this is out there now. And the fact that there's so much more body positive content getting out there now that is giving women and young girls a different perspective and different role models. And I am so thankful for that. I just think it's absolutely amazing. Um, Of course, also on Instagram, there's a huge body positive movement. Um, So many body positive Instagram stars who are, you know, getting so much attention for sharing their own weight struggles and their bodies. Um, And uh, it's absolutely amazing. But, you know, they also have to deal with trolls, a ton of trolls who say, listen, you're getting out there and putting your fat body in a bikini, but you look disgusting and you look fat. And if you lost the weight, you'd look really good. And you're not body positive, you're fat and just trying to make people, you know, okay with you being fat. So, you know, we have a long ways to go a lot of work to do because while there are plenty of overweight women who, you know, could they benefit? from losing weight and perhaps being healthier? Sure, maybe. But isn't that their choice? And shouldn't they be able to put their body out there the way it looks now? And if they feel great about it, feel great about it. And shouldn't they be able to buy cute clothes and wear trendy stuff and shop like normal people shop like I don't want to say normal that sounded terrible but I mean you know sizes only used to go up to certain size like 14 and then you would have to go buy like trash bags at an ample duds store um you know that's what it was called in Denver growing up ample duds and and fat girls want to wear trendy cute clothes they don't want to wear moo moomoo's and so that's why I think it's super amazing that there are stores like um ASOS um who sell um clothing for sizes fourteen um and up, and you know just so many good clothing stores um Eloquy is a great one that is just for size fourteen and up. I love that place it's so cute anyway, so you know, I grew up with this sense that I always needed to be smaller and needed to be thinner, and um. And that was real. And that's what I wanted. And I watched my sister get skinny and gorgeous. And I was still, you know, in seventh grade and, and getting called Gorda. But, um, you know, going into eighth grade, I went to this theater camp and the skills called Stage Door Manor, which is totally hilarious. There's actually a documentary about it. Um, that's like, where lots of famous people and fledgling Broadway actors and all these people went to this camp. I mean, lots of famous people who you've heard of Natalie Portman. And, um, of course, I'm not going to remember the names now, but anyway, it was this five week camp, maybe where you go and you take intensive dance classes. I mean, the first thing you do is you go and audition for a show. Um, and then they put you in a show and you spend those weeks preparing for the show and doing dance classes. So I was doing jazz, tap, ballet <clears throat> all day every day on top of, you know, um all of this um preparation and and rehearsals for the musical that I got into which was called The Boyfriend. The Boyfriend, yeah. Anyway, it was amazing. I had the time of my life. I had my first quote unquote boyfriend. We only were just like smooching on the lips, but It was just fun and, like, exciting. And, you know, I won Best Supporting Actress um, in a Musical at the Oscars. And I came back having lost a lot of weight because I had been dancing nonstop. So um that's when all like this different attention came my way for the first time and it was a lot of positive attention about my body and i was looking and feeling different in clothes i was feeling super cute i discovered makeup i started doing you know more fun dance classes i had always danced but started doing hip hop classes and you know just way more like out there like psyched to be in my leotard you know getting different kind of attention from boys, you know, different kind of attention from everyone because of the way I looked. And so I kept that going, you know, I kept it going. And in ninth grade, um, I was deep into dieting already. Um, slim fast was a huge thing then. And it came in cans and I would, um, get my mom to buy the cans and she was totally fine with that. And, um, you know, my mom wanted us to look good and be thin and feel good about our bodies. Um, it was all about vanity though, not how you're feeling inside. It was like, you know, you're looking good in your clothes kind of a thing. Um, so I would bring slim fast for lunch in ninth grade and that's what I would eat. And, you know, really it was just, um, where the calorie restriction started, um, just not eating much. And, I wouldn't have called myself anorexic. I would just call myself like completely restricting calories from, you know, a body that could have used more and a body that would have looked great without doing that. But, um, I kept myself thin and I got a lot of good attention and I liked it. Um, but you know, so then I went to high school and there was, I don't remember dieting in high school until senior year. Cause as I mentioned in my high school reunion episode, I was you know, depressed in high school. And that meant like drinking a ton of grape soda and like eating takeout Chinese food late at night and going to the ice cream truck late at night um, and all that kind of stuff. So um, I remember senior year in high school, Hans and I, my senior year roommate did this diet. I can't remember where we found out about it, but um, we knew that you had to like eat dry chicken. And so we would go to the dining hall, which was where we got our food and we would squeeze the chicken. That was our thing. We would joke about like squeezing the chicken, squeezing the chicken. So we would put the chicken with whatever sauce it had on it, which I totally remember the sauce, like some kind of creamy sauce, put it in napkins and like squeeze the chicken. So we would get all the sauce out of it. So certainly that was the way that we dieted then. And we're like very focused on like exercising all the time. And, you know, and then came college where, um, I didn't gain freshman 15. I think I lost freshman 30. And that was like copious exercise, like over an hour of working out every day. Um, only, only eating frozen yogurt with dry cereal on it. Um, and then these Weird little hummus sandwiches I would eat where I would like put hummus on bread and smash it into cold peas. Um, and yeah, so like lots of like uh cereal on frozen yogurt and as much beer as I could possibly consume. And I got away with that because I would like sweat out all the beer, and also I was 18 and that's what my body did, so drank beyond belief as much as I could have. Um, and you know, we all were doing that. Um, but I was totally restricting calories. I wasn't eating pizza. I wasn't, I remember for like the first two or three years of college, I didn't eat cheese. Like I remember Courtney visiting me at college and us getting dinner. And she was like, you don't eat, cheese and like you don't put pasta sauce on your pasta and I was like no I just eat everything plain because like plain pasta yeah that's so healthy such a healthy choice as is you know three cups of frozen yogurt a day covered in Captain Crunch or whatever it was I was eating so like the sugar was out of the roof always, but um yeah, just had these rules for what was quote unquote healthy. And I kept myself really thin. I came home for Christmas break freshman year in college and was killing it looking so good. I remember coming down the stairs in my house and one of my older stepbrothers being like, whoa, like what happened to you? It was like Grace went off to college, came back skinny with mascara on and straight hair and like killing it. So, you know, when you get that sort of feedback from your friends and your family, and you just want to keep it going, and, and I did. Um, so I won't go through every single year of my life because that's just too much, but I want to say is that I, like many of you, have done every diet from SlimFast to Jenny Craig which did not work for me eating those prepared meals, to Weight Watchers several times. Um, in New York City, when I was in my early 20s, I lost 30 pounds on Weight Watchers. I mean, I think, you know, counting points, which is counting calories does work. But uh, for me now, it doesn't work because there's no why there. Like, why are you eating what you're eating? And of course, now I need to get to like, why am I shoving sugar in my face? But in New York, um, you know, I would just calorie restrict. Um, my food and I would drink heavily and um, was just spending a lot of years drinking a lot and not eating a lot. Um, And sort of that's what I did in New York was, was um, extreme exercise with spin class and Weight Watchers. And then, you know, really kept myself thin after this one year where I gained a lot of weight, Um, I think out of a depression that I didn't diagnose or deal with. But Anyway, um, you know, and then in my life in North Carolina over the last 15 years, yeah, there's been Jenny Craig, I did the isogenics cleanse, I did the 17 day diet, that works really well, um, actually, but it's hard to sustain. I've done Whole30. That worked really well. Did that right before my 40th birthday. Dropped 20 or 30 pounds right before my uh, 40th birthday. Felt amazing. Whole30, by the way, not sustainable. I mean... I don't know if you know what Whole30 is, but no alcohol, no sugar, no caffeine, no dairy, no gluten. It's like none of everything. Um, And that's really hard to sustain, but it it does work quickly. Um, And uh, yeah, I mean, anything you can imagine. Now, vegan, um, what other diets are there? Because I mean, guys, I've done them. I've done them all. Like, I can't, I I can't think of them now, but if you just think of any diet that there is, I've done it. Um, Shakeology, is that one of them? Um, You know, where you just drink special shakes all the time. Um, Yeah, all the things. I've done all the things. I have poured hundreds of dollars into um, diet routines or prepared foods or shakes or cleanses or, um, oh, I've been to see however many nutritionists, I mean, when I graduated college and I came home and, you know, I had spent the spring semester drinking beer and eating a box of Kraft macaroni and cheese every day. Um, I came home from college and my dad said, would you like to join a gym? And he offered to pay for my gym. And, you know, I started seeing a nutritionist and dropped 30 pounds. So you get it. I have gained and lost 30 pounds or more. 10 or 15 times in my, uh, adult life, let's say since I was 22. So in the last 20 years since college. Um, and I, I even, I think lost 50 pounds after, um, having babies. Um, but now, you know, here I am and while I'm a really quote unquote healthy eater, um, I am also, quote unquote, overweight, and I am certainly at a weight that would have been a weight that I was pregnant, um, and I've been holding on to it for a few years. You know, I lost all that weight um, when I turned 40 so that I could feel hot and sexy turning 40, and then guess what? I gained it back because Whole30 isn't sustainable, and I love sugar, and I loved alcohol, and I, I guess I, I could say, you know, I just I couldn't maintain that. I don't I don't know who can. Um, so I slowly over the last three years have gained thirty pounds back and I'm just like sitting with it. Um and you know, you just do what you gotta do. I bought bigger sizes, I whatever. I mean I I took a a year off from exercise. I am now getting back into it. I'm getting into yoga and doing these things that make me feel absolutely fantastic. Like this podcast, like being open about my own struggles and my challenges. Um, And I'm in a much better mental space with all of this right now, which is why I can be open about this and say, you know, I am carrying all this extra weight. I am wearing the biggest size I've ever worn Um, other than when I was pregnant. Um, but you know what else is that I am legitimately body positive as much as I can be. I think I look great. I like the way I dress. I get complimented a lot on how I dress. I think a lot about how I look. I feel great. You know, I, I, um, there's a lot about me that I really like and love and appreciate And I do try and practice a lot of positive affirmations, like Stuart Smalley, like, I'm good enough, and I'm smart enough, and I deserve it, and people like me, Um, you know, and I look at my body in the mirror, which is totally different than how it was before I had kids. And there are times where it's really tough to take, but most of the time I look at my stomach and I go, listen, you had two... Very large, very healthy baby boys. And would you give them back to have a flat, unscarred stomach? No. Obviously, the answer is no. It will always be no. But it's really, really hard to accept yourself a 100%. We all know that. Um, even the most quote-unquote perfect-looking or average slash normal sized, um, person has bones to pick with their own looks. They are always going to find something wrong with them. Like their hair's not thick enough or, you know, my hair is curly and thin. I wish it was straight and thick and full like my mom's, but my mom always wanted curly hair. Um, you know, I've got big boobs. My mom wishes she had big boobs. Um, you know, whatever it is, like, there are always things that we're going to want that are different. Um, you know, and I just try as hard as I can to speak positively to myself. And I think that is extremely important, whether you're at your heaviest weight. Or you are in the throes of extreme diet culture where you are giving in to calorie restriction or, you know, being on a cleanse or whatever it is for you. Positive self-talk is so, 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 so important. Um, and And getting to the why of why you are doing this diet. Why you want to lose the weight. Who's it for? Is it for the woman at the coffee shop who thinks you're fat and thinks you need to exercise? Or is it for you? Like, do you want to feel better in your own body? So here's where I am turning 43 in five days here. Um, it's, it's for me and it's for my boys. My husband has loved me and been with me at every size and shape that you could imagine me um, tight body, (laughs) you know, tight, thin, fit body in my twenties, um, and in college and before our wedding, um, and soft, mushy post baby body leaking milk everywhere. Um, and soft, fleshy body now, like he is so okay with it no matter what shape or size my body comes in. And I believe that because I see the way he looks at me. And I feel the same way about him. Um, If anything, we want health for each other. We want each other to be healthy, as healthy as we can be so that we can live a long time for each other and for our children. And so that's where I am now is that I want my kids to have a mom for as long as they can have a mom, I want to be around for my grandkids. And I know that heart disease is a major killer of women. And I want to have a healthy heart. And I know that um, belly fat is a big contributor to heart disease. And that's where I carry my weight by and large. And so that's why I'm really focused now on losing some weight and getting rid of belly fat and exercising more and um putting the right things into my body. Also because I want to set an example for my kids. You know, I want them to see that I'm leading by example with what I eat and that mommy and daddy are active and you know, daddy's at the gym all the time or playing golf and that I'm always at yoga and, you know, or doing exercise classes or that we get out and play baseball with them and you know, they need to see us lead by example um, I also, you know, this is like the hard part, but like, I don't want my kids to have a fat mom. Like, I don't want them to wish that I looked different. And that is dark and deep. Like, that's hard to say. Um, you know, my boys love me so much and they are the sweetest and, But, you know, out of the mouths of babes, like they just say what's on their mind. I mean, Court is the one who's always been like, Mommy, you're so beautiful. You're so beautiful. He would just say that all the time, which is like the cutest thing in the world. And Than just calls it like he sees it. I mean, he'll be like, "Um, Mommy, you have a fat bottom Um, or Mommy, you're you you you're just like a little fat is what I'll say. And, I'll, and and we have these conversations like, that's not a nice word to use about anyone. What's, what's something else you can think of to say about me, to describe me? Because we don't talk to people about their bodies, right? And he'll be like, well, you're big. And I'm like, okay, that's great. How about you have a pretty face? Um, or you're smart. Or you make me happy. Um, but yeah, I'm not going to lie. Like when Than first referred to me as fat I cried oh my god I cried and Matt was great and we had a conversation with him about how it's not a nice word and you don't comment on people's bodies and it hurt mommy's feelings and yeah I mean that was gut-wrenching and so there I was as a grown-up having someone who I created (laughs) call me something that like a cute boy in school called me Um, more than once, I'm sure. I think I probably blacked it out. But, um, that was really painful. Like, that this is happening in this part of my life that's so beautiful and wonderful. Um, but I've given birth to boys who, um, still have that language. And it's in our culture. And I need to teach them immediately how to speak to girls and women and how not to. Or to boys as well. But, um... Also, because, you know, my boys are going to struggle with their body bodies in their own ways. Um, you know, it's, it's real. Like it it is, it is genetic. We are, we are fighting our genes and I do believe that Maddie and I both are. And then we came together and had gorgeous babies with beautiful faces and eyes. Um, they're going to have to have their own body issues and that's just the way it is. That's why we have to keep them active, um, and lead by example. So, oh, there, there's so, so many, so many layers to this. Um, I want to just give a shout out to the amazing author Roxanne Gay. Who, if you don't know, look her up. She, um, she's an author. She is a teacher. She's um, written all kinds of books and essays. Um, she wrote something called Bad Feminist, which is apparently amazing, which I haven't read, but I have been reading her memoir called Hunger, um, where she talks about being a fat child and a fat woman, and she she uses the word fat. She says I don't like to use the term overweight because it implies that there is a correct weight that one should be, um, and I love that. You know, it's it's hard for me to embrace the use of the word fat, because we've always um, learned that it's a bad word. And you just heard me say I taught my boys not to use that word and not to say it. And so obviously, I'm in conflict. I don't think they should be calling their mom fat. I don't think they should be calling themselves fat. I don't think they should be calling kids at school fat. But do I think that a grown woman can call herself fat and take ownership over her body and call herself whatever she wants. Yes. Um, but I think the journey needs to also be about, um, doing what feels right, you know, so that you are feeling like you can love yourself no matter what size you are and that you're not calling yourself fat in a negative way and that you're not being, um, self-effacing and derogatory towards yourself. Um, this is all really emotional. It's super emotional for me. Um, these are, these are the things that make me want to hide in the pantry and eat cookies and shove food into my face. And I do. I do. I mean, I'm, I'm working through that. You know, I, I started doing this program two weeks ago, because I'm always doing something. Um, But I I, I did start something two weeks ago, which I feel really positive about. And it's an app called Noom, N-O-O-M. And it is about um, dieting, losing weight, calorie counting, but it really focuses on the psychological aspects of emotional eating and about behavior. And it is supposedly the first um, program out there on the market that focuses on the psychology of it all. And so, so far, I really like it. I'm learning a lot. Um, and I feel really hopeful about it. And they do pair you up with like a, a coach who helps you with your journey. Um, But yeah, so I'm having to focus so much on my my emotional eating, and they ask you what kind of eater you are, and they give you all different kinds of things to choose from. And what I really related to was that I'm a quote-unquote storm eater. Like, you'll like tear through and eat a million things in a really short period of time before you even know what you've done, and you haven't tasted it. And that's totally me. I mean, I can go to an amazing exercise class, have a super healthy day. Um, and before I know it, I've eaten every piece of sugar in this house. And if I don't have sugar in the house, because I really am trying harder not to, I'll find whatever I can. I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's, it's like a storm and it takes me over. And then when I'm done, I'm like, Oh my God, what did I do? You know, and I'm realizing through my sober curiosity that that's what I was doing so much with alcohol was like fill my glass up with wine as fast as I can as many times as I can, um, and then it's like, oh my god, what did i what did I do?" And so both behaviors bring extreme anxiety, extreme anxiety, because I can't go back, like if I've had that much to drink, I wake up and I feel like hell. And have to make it through the day feeling how much I've had to drink. And I feel awful and have to deal with debilitating anxiety. Um, which, honestly, as I move through this sober curiosity is one of the biggest reasons I continue to not drink. Because um, the feeling of that anxiety that I have after drinking is enough to stop me from drinking. It really is. It's a horrible feeling. And the anxiety from emotional eating is very real. And so um, I'm working through it, guys. I am, as I always say, a work in progress. I really am. And I know that so many of us are. And I know from having such amazing, open women friends that um, talk to me about this stuff that uh, so many of us are works in progress as it comes to loving and accepting our own bodies, whether we need to lose three pounds or five pounds, 10 pounds or 50 pounds. Um, it can be really hard to sit in your own skin and feel good about all those things um, that you see those lumps and bumps and scrapes and scratches. and um... But there is a way, and I do think it's with dealing with the emotional stuff. That is where I am. It's going to take time. Um, and there are going to be times where I take my kids to Chick-fil-A because I want to eat all of their French fries. There are going to be those times and I lean into it. And sometimes you just have to, um, I took my kids to Krispy Kreme on St. Patty's day morning because of green donuts, because guess who wanted a donut? Me. Um, you know, there are those times I'm a normal human being. I I mean, we're all normal. We have our things that we want to do that make us feel good. And, um, you know, what I'm learning is they just feel good in the moment. Um, What I've also learned through a solid 30 years of being a part of this extreme diet culture is that calorie restriction and starving myself is not healthy. It's not what works mentally or physically. Um, cleansing can feel good, but you can't look at it as a sustainable weight loss program. Um, and, uh, You know, and and as we navigate this world of wellness, of things coming up in our feed every day about what we should be eating, what we shouldn't be eating, what approach we should take, whether it's keto, whether it's plant-based, whether it's calorie restriction, whether it's, you know only eating greens, whether it's cutting out all gluten, whether it's only eating ancient grains, whether it's snorting maca, or I don't, I don't, it's something new every day. Try not to get overwhelmed by all of those things. This is me speaking to you and to myself. Pick a few that feel manageable, that feel good to you, and know that there are always going to be people with different opinions. I mean, one of my favorite podcasts, if you're interested, is called Mind Body Green, and they had an interviewer or an interview the other day with a guy who swears that the biggest farce out there is that kale is a superfood. Okay. So like everyone is going to have a different opinion. They just are. And you have to find a a way to integrate things into your life that feel good and that feel right and not kill yourself trying to do it, trying to do what's right and not completely, you know, belittle and obliterate your your psyche for for failing or telling yourself that you've failed. You're not failing. You're trying. You are trying. Listen, any one of us that is not sitting on the couch all day ordering in Uber Eats and not moving our bodies and giving in to being depressed and sitting on the couch eating all the things Like, any one of us who's not doing that is trying, is making an effort. And the people that are doing that, you know what? I feel for you. I send you love and light because I know how it feels to be in so much pain that you don't feel that there's a way out and that you don't know where to begin. And if what you need to do is sit on the couch and eat all the things today, until next week, until next month... Um, I just hope that you can find a way to find something that um, gets you excited about about getting up and moving. And, and even walking 10 minutes a day is helpful. Um, I have to peel myself off the couch plenty of times a week to go get fresh air and walk for 10 minutes a day, um, which really, really helps. So listen, I know I talk about my health and wellness journey, and taking deep breaths, and taking ritual baths, and self-care. But I also want to say that as much as I'm good at those things and getting better, I am also um, failing miserably every day in some way. Um, And again, I don't want to focus on failing, I want to focus on being a work in progress. But whether it's uh, eating too much chocolate, or um, going through the Dunkin' Donuts drive-through to eat a secret donut that no one will ever know about—that um, makes me feel better for five minutes until I feel anxiety. Or whether it's, um, you know, sneaking back down to the kitchen after everyone's asleep to go eat peanut butter and chocolate chips. Whatever it is, I am a work in progress. I struggle with things every day. And I am putting this out there because I believe that many of you do too. And it's really hard to be alone in this. And that's why I'm so thankful to have friends that I talk openly with about this and about, um, you know, taking steps to change my behavior, feel the fear and do it anyway. It's why I'm being open about my sober curiosity because, um, my alcohol issues are, are real. You know, my, my relationship with alcohol is unhealthy as is my relationship with sugar. So I am, I am setting myself free. I thank you for allowing me to be vulnerable. I thank myself for allowing, um, me to be vulnerable. And I hope you can take some time for yourself today, even if it's 10 minutes. Um, I am going to do a yoga class. I am going to go make myself a good smoothie. I'm hopefully going to have a funny conversation with a friend. Um, I'm going to go look for those fabulous green clogs that A.D. Bryant was wearing. You should watch that show. Look into Roxanne Gay. She's brilliant. She also was just interviewed on the Bitch Sesh podcast about housewives. Um, They're doing some amazing interviews. They just did one also with Chelsea Handler, who um, has really made a turnaround and gone deep into her soul search, which is awesome. Um, So I'm sending you lots of love. Thank you for listening and um, be good to yourself. Say something nice to yourself in the mirror today before you go uh, eat the cookies in the pantry. Bye.